I wonder how many of you like taking uh, like taking tests when the when you're sitting there and someone says, "Oh, you can now turn your paper over, grab your pen or pencil." If it's cutting out, we'll. Might be this. What I might do is just stick this there. Maybe I'm not. Am I? Is that clear? Thank you. Good. I hope the message is clear too. I'll have to not wander around. Uh, yeah, so it's my worst birthday. 1997. Flip it over, grab your pencil, pen, and uh, not. And then that starts that time of oh, what? No, what was that? What was the the author of that book? Oh, what actually happened in the? <clears throat> but I've got a test for you this morning. You need to be involved. You 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 need to use your voices. How long did the Hundred Year War last? A hundred and sixteen. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry to say that you failed the test, uh, Marlene, but... Which country manufactures Panama hats? I know they're catching on early. No one's going to say Panama. E- Ecuador, close. In which month the Russians celebrate the October Revolution? Everyone's going to say a month except October. But is it a trick question? October. November. Ah, you're <laughs> Maybe we, you know, we're all finished the, oh, we've got a couple still in, in school and studying, but. Yeah, we've finished our academic tests, we've we've done all the hard work, but you know, tests continue on in our life. We we come across all types of tests from blood tests, eye tests. They're the worst. When I first got the, the I don't know if you've had an eye test, you put your chin on the thing and this it puff the the wind gets you. Like it's the suspense as you wait for the, the wind just to blow into your eye. It's like the most annoying thing. It, we have employment tests, driver's tests. But is there a test to determine where we are at spiritually? We find ourselves at the end of our sermon series on 2 Corinthians and I hope it's been challenging and beneficial for you. And we're not going to be going through verse by verse through this last sort of couple of chapters but really want to pick out what is Paul emphasising 
at the end of this letter? What is he really drilling down to and, and finishing off his concluding remarks with to the church at Corinth? And I think it's in 13.5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. The test is not about if we can get in on the Christian faith, but rather to demonstrate or prove that God is in us, that God is in them. Not trying to demonstrate that we are, we are better than everyone else or that we can get an A on this test, but to prove Jesus Christ is real in our life. The, the root word for, for prove here is a word called, uh, Nisa. And, it, and it's where gold is tested to show that it is what it is claims to be, that it is gold when it goes through the refining process. Show me the evidence. Proof that you are who you claim to be. It's the fourth letter from Paul to the Corinthians and he is consistently on about his love for the believers and always sharing the truth of the gospel. And in these couple of passages here that we've, we've read and in these couple of chapters, he presents himself in 12.19 as a builder, a ministry builder, as a loving parent in verses 14 to 15. In chapter 13 and 7 and 9, a, a prayerful pastor. In hospitality, we had health inspectors. Uh, they would come usually once a year, depending on what council you're in. The Melbourne City Council were the worst because they never told you they were coming, they'd just rock up. And probably for the better, that's probably how it should be done, because when you get told you've got a week, they're coming, we spend a week cleaning. <clears throat> but uh, they come along and they have a whole bunch of criteria, and it's a, you have to mark off the, the criteria to prove that you are worthy to continue on operating. Uh, it's the same in, I guess, every industry, especially you know the building industry have their buildings and then they build a new house or something it needs to get marked off again it needs to get approved that it's safe to live in that it's been built according to the standards and Paul comes along to this church that he established and at the end of this letter test yourselves examine yourselves is there something genuine here is there Sincerity in your faith. Because the stakes are high. In the second half of verse 5, do you not realise that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Are they genuine? Is Paul's concern. Just as a, a rock that is yellow is not necessarily a big chunk of gold. So the glitz and glamour of a speaker or a leader in a church doesn't equate to genuine ministry and genuine faith. Test yourself. 
It's a common uh, common theme throughout Scripture, not just here to the Corinthians, and so it should be approached by us as something very applicable. Pay careful attention to yourself. Watch yourself, we continue to read. Search me and know my heart, the psalmist said. Jesus said, not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. There's two parts I just want to look at this morning as we finish in 2 Corinthians. Two aspects to the test. And they, and they, the scene in verse three and four, and, and they lie really behind all the teaching that, that Paul gives it from chapters 10 onwards in his defense of his apostleship and his authority. How will we examine and test ourselves? Part one. Since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you, for to be sure, he was crucified in weakness. Yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him. Yet by God's power, we live with him to serve you. God sending his son Jesus to die for the sin of the world, it happened in weakness. The cross was a was apparently a moment of, of shame and defeat and weakness. As you look at the time that Jesus died, it would have looked like for people a time of defeat, of tragedy. But it was actually God at work. And there was victory and success and triumph that we can know about as we look at the gospel message. And Jesus crucified in weakness is where God heaps his judgment and his penalty for all sin on Jesus at the cross. And I'm sure there were many at that time looking at the cross and thinking that this is a moment of weakness for his disciples and the followers and this message of salvation. For your God in flesh is dead. But what was seen as weakness is, of course, triumph and sin over death and forgiveness of sins. And likewise, we are weak in him. Interesting statement, these five words. We are weak in him. Authentic Christian ministry doesn't just have a message of apparent weakness that Jesus was crucified and died for our sins and was raised to life. Yet I believe the Lord Jesus chooses the spreading of the good news, the forgiveness of sins, new life, relationship with our creator, that this powerful message would be carried out by failing, flawed, everyday human beings.
we are weak in him. Genuine Christian ministry that is carried out by sincere followers of Jesus. What does that look like? What do people see? What does the world tell us that that looks like? Does it look weak? In uh, Paul's point in the last few chapters here, especially in chapter 12, is he reluctantly spoke of his weaknesses. So not to draw the spotlight on himself, but to reveal that the power of God is at work in his life. Go back to chapter 12 and verse 7, and he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why... For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you sense that people were looking at Paul in this context that he wasn't really much to look at. That he wasn't really looked at in any great power or authority. That he was being undermined. But in my weakness, Paul says, God is at work. He is my strength. He is sustaining me and he is using me with what some are calling an apparent weak message in a weak vessel, but it is the power of God at work to restore relationships, to forgive sins and to change people. Part 2, verse 4 of chapter 13. He was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we live, we will live with him to serve you. So as we look back at the work of Jesus at the cross who who died for the sins of the world, who took the penalty for sin, yet by God's power was raised to life and seated at the right hand of the throne. And he reigns there in all authority. Crucified in weakness, yet lives by God's power. So the message of sin paid for, death defeated, new life, restored relationship, it is God who lives in his people and it is God who brings about radical change, a transformation of the heart and mind of followers of Jesus. And this Christian message, as weak as it may seem, is immensely powerful as the Holy Spirit brings about change. Not a degree, not how smart you are, 
not how great you can be in yourself, but the Holy Spirit enlightening our minds, bringing peace to the chaos, bringing strength in difficult circumstances, changing our moral compass to the way we treat people and love people. And you see, the question I get in Paul's mind here to the Corinthian church is, have they embraced this Christian ministry, this Christian life? As weak as it may appear to them on the surface and the messages that are coming from the super apostles that we've heard about, Have they embraced it? Because if so, has the gospel message produced real evidence in their life? Has it produced change in the way that they think and live? Examine yourselves. See if you are in the faith, he says. Test yourselves. Do you not realise Jesus Christ is in you? In all of his power and authority, there must be change. And he goes on to say, we don't fail the test. You may think we're weak. You may have been told something about what we should look like, what we should sound like. But we haven't failed the test. The super apostles may tell you one thing, but I'm telling you the truth. The apostles are encouraging them, the super apostles are encouraging this church and these people to distance themselves from Paul, distance themselves from his teaching. And Paul's message is you distance yourself from From me, you distance yourself from the teaching of the gospel. You're distancing yourself from the power that is life-changing. Test yourself. Have you embraced the Christian ministry? I was a teenager in the 90s, which just seems like a few years ago, but it's 30 years ago. There was a a thing that was happening in the Christian movement uh, called the Toronto Blessing. Many of you might remember it. In the early 1990s, it, it was a phenomenon that started and uh, was going around the whole world. I think it was very big in the UK especially and obviously came out, coming out of Canada. I, I remember as a teenager growing up in the church and I was here at Monty at that time in the early 90s, um, very interested in what this was all about. As I... Read, read up on some of the experiences and what was happening in, in that time just recently in the past week. 
the Toronto Blessing claim people were going to church and having their, their, their fillings that they needed were happening while they were at church. The cavities were being filled as they worshipped. Uncontrollable laughter as people came down the front. People were collapsing on the floor, making noises like all different types of animals, all in the name of God and being of God. I've had a bit of dentistry work done over the time and it's never happened at 24 Mayona Road, I can tell you. <clears throat> and I had to pay a fair price for it. I was reading a commentary during this week and I just thought this summed it up so well. And he says this, of the it was written back in the 90s, I'm not concerned about the people falling over. But what happens once they get back up? In other words, in, in other words, is their life genuine? Is their faith in the living God real? Is it sincere? Show me the proof. It's been told to my face more than once, unless you speak in tongues, there's no sincere salvation. There's no genuine belonging to the kingdom. Churches over many years have all types of traditions. Where to bow. Uh, our girls are in Catholic education and there's Occasionally they're at different services and I've attended and there's very specific places where you need to stop and pause and bow and the way you walk around the table that they have and the way communion is done. And it's different in different settings and contexts, churches. And and those things become so, uh, so important. The people can think, how can you be sincere? How can you be real if you don't do it like this? Well, that's not the test that Paul talks about. The examination that the test that Paul speaks about, it isn't about if you walk out with your cavities filled or how many times you fall over in the service. Have you embraced the preaching of the message of the cross? Is there evidence in your life that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work to change the way you think and the way that you live? Test yourself. Examine yourself, he says here at the end of his fourth letter. God deliberately chooses the weak. You see it through scripture. And as weak vessels, as weak people, those ministering the good news, it's done so, as Paul said in chapter 12, that his power 
would be revealed. That the glory would be given to God through the ministry that he's using you and I in. He reluctantly, in chapter 12, Paul reluctantly and sparingly highlights the weaknesses in his life and describes himself as weak. But he does so for the purpose of defending his authority as an apostle. We are told in other parts of scripture that Paul was nothing much to look at. He didn't speak with much eloquence. He worked as a labourer. Tradies are pretty popular in our era and and, and in our society, but 2,000 years ago it wasn't really a highly esteemed work. He was constantly under attack, changing his travel plans. And he had this thorn... In his flesh, what might have been a physical ailment, we're not sure, but spoken about in chapter 12. And as the, as the super apostles would influence the people, were influencing the people in the way that they thought and trying to lead them away from Paul, you can conclude that Paul is seen as so weak in contrast to these other people. When you look at their wisdom and their speech, their philosophies and their qualifications and who they are in society, people were wanting nothing to do with Paul because ah, we're probably better than him. Ah, He's not so crash hot. You see, the danger is that we don't, like the Corinthians, want to associate with a, an average person, an average person leading a ministry. You know, the, our church is a bit boring for me. We don't want anything to do with a, a ministry that seems a bit weak. But if there is a ministry, a church that is preaching the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and we find ourselves wanting to distance ourselves from that, what we're actually doing is what the Corinthian church did and they're distancing themselves from the power that can change our life. Studies of of first impressions. <clears throat> we all, I think, known each other for a while in here. There's not too many first impressions maybe that you can even remember. But as I looked it up, studies of first impressions state that a human being will make a judgment on someone in one-tenth of a second, literally in a blink of an eye. And come up with all sorts of things to talk about Sam. <laughs> None of them I will say from the pulpit. But... I wonder what we come up with on the road or in our neighbourhood, 
in our family, friends that we meet, people that we just walk past. They're not socially acceptable. They're not smart enough. They're not young enough. They're not old enough. I won't mix with them. I won't listen to them. And these are the exact issues 2,000 years ago in Corinth that they seem to find a place to distance themselves from Paul and his ministry. And in doing so, distancing themselves from the life-giving power of Jesus. You see, Paul's expectation is that when the power of the resurrected Saviour comes into your life, that there will be change. Not perfection, because none of us will have that on earth, and I think we're reasonably happy to say no one is perfect. But in chapter 3, they're described by Paul as a letter read by everybody. Seeing the work that has started. Which tells me that there must have been some change in them. In chapter 5, Paul speaks of being a new creation in Christ. In chapter 7, he talks of genuine repentance. And so it's pointing towards that there is something genuine here in the Corinthian church. There's something going on. And in chapter 3.18, we with unveiled faces are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. I touched on this verse last week. It doesn't speak about perfection, but speaks about a transforming, a change that is happening day by day. It's not a change that comes about by just being a good human. It didn't happen for Mackenzie and Ava and Jack last week just because they went through the waters of baptism that they are perfect. But something that is going on inside of you that is of God. And it doesn't put you in a place of complacency to just sit back on the couch and say, well, God is going to change me. with unveiled faces, as we study and reflect upon and meditate on the character of God in the life of Jesus, placing Jesus at the centre of our thoughts, of our days, of our minds, of our lives, and in that place, the Holy Spirit will powerfully interact with us and enlighten us, direct us to the changes that need to happen in our life. We, a couple of weeks ago, started a, uh, started a renovation in our kitchen. Um, bit of a dodgy builder, but we're just sticking with him. <coughs> oh, it's rat. It is rat. <coughs> I won't hide that. Um, and, and so what we've been, you know, uh, I don't know, probably haven't told Raph, but, well, you know, what we've been doing uh, most days is we like to come home and sort of see what's happened during the day um, and see the change in the kitchen. 
uh, it would have been really crazy to come home after day one and think everything would have been done because he, he's not bad, right? but he's not that good. <clears throat> but each day we come home and, um, it, you know, it's probably a few weeks of a of job and each day we can come home and say, oh, the dishwasher's in place or, oh, the, the little island bench is, is now where it, you know, where it's going to be and, oh, the bench top's on and, Came home the other day and the, the gas cookers, you know, now on, on the bench and these little changes that we see each time we come home from, from work. Paul's test, Paul's examination here isn't about a shiver up and down our spine, getting goosebumps as we sing songs. Are we genuine? It's not about collapsing in a service. But has someone actually encountered the living God through faith in Jesus Christ? Is the Holy Spirit at work within them, gradually bringing about change, exposing the character of God in your life to a world that desperately needs to see it. Really, this is where the the rubber meets the road. Test yourself. Chapter 12 and verse 20, Paul says, For I am afraid that when I come to you, I I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I'll be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented. Have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin and debauchery in which they have indulged. You know, many of those issues that Paul's just mentioned here, uh, they're the issues that he wrote in 1 Corinthians. And they're the same issues he's afraid that are still an issue for these people this time that has gone. And his concern is that some have not changed. Some in the church have not embraced sincerely the gospel of Jesus Christ have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their heart. What if there is no change? So what if they do fail? What's going to happen? Well, it's pretty emphatic and it's pretty bold in this context. Chapter 13, verse 2, I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent on my return. I will not spare. 
those who sinned earlier. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul throws out someone from the church who he's, and that's what he's talking about here. There comes a point where those among the church who do not embrace the gospel of Jesus, who do not repent, who do not recognise sin in their life before a holy God, that there must be discipline. And, And the purpose of discipline is always about restoration. It's always got to lead and the foundation is about restoration. But Paul says, make no mistake, those in the church who do not embrace the gospel of Jesus, who do not recognise their sin before God, who do not want to repent and change, they must be removed. What if there is change? What if there is sincerity? What if there is something to work with? Well, a community of believers, Paul says in in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 13, the local church surrendered lives that are gradually being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit will display unity, will display peace, will build each other up for the purpose of giving God glory and seeing his kingdom grow. Father God, may that be on our hearts this week as you teach us and remind us from your word of why we are here. That you have called us out of out of a life of darkness to come into a light a life of light. To know you, to be in relationship with you. Lay on our hearts, Lord, the desire to be surrendered to your will, to allow the Holy Spirit to be working in us, changing us day by day to be more like Jesus. And we look forward to the day where we will receive a new body to be in your presence for eternity. Oh, what bliss that will be. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. May we live by it and be obedient to it. Amen. I encourage you to stay and um, have some morning tea and catch up with one another. God bless you.